0: Hello and welcome to the Villains and Monsters podcast, where true crime meets thrilling fiction and dark minds come together to talk about all things sinister and psychotic. I'm Cassie Sharp, suspense and thriller author and your host. Hi. Hi guys. Um, welcome back to Villains and Monsters. Uh, we are season two and we are getting into my newest novel, Dark Dead Stars, which I am so excited about. Um, I haven't read this novel since I published it in February and it's been an insane year that feels like it's been seven years since then. Um, so I'm really excited to go back to it and explore with you guys. Um, Dark Dead Stars is a book about a woman who hunts serial killers, basically. Um, she's, uh, her name is Alexa Storm and her career is a blogger who is focused on crime, but specifically murder and serial murders. And, um, She travels around the country when there's a case, an ongoing case, and, uh, she talks to victims and she blogs about them, um, and their story and, or the family's story. Um, if the victim is deceased and, um, that's what she does. And so dark dead stars, uh, is the story of one particular town that she finds herself in. Um, and it's this town called Gray's Harbor, Washington, and, uh, which is right in the Pacific Northwest. It's right on the Pacific coast, but it's also really not far at all from mountains. Um, and it's a real town. Um, Gray's Harbor is like the county and it's composed of hoquiam and Aberdeen. Washington. And, um, I think another couple surrounding areas. Um, but the Pacific Northwest is just so beautiful and I've never actually seen it in person. This is just from pictures. Um, if you know me very well, uh, you know that mountains are my life. Uh, and that's where I get my energy and my, um, calm from. Uh, but I also love the ocean and I love the idea of the Pacific ocean because it's not what you think about when you think of going to the ocean over here on the East coast. Right. Um, we go to, you know, a beach and it's a big, huge sandy beach and there's thousands of people in their bathing suits laying out on the beach and there's some lifeguards. And, and that's what I think of when I think of going to the ocean. Right. Um, But the Pacific Ocean, specifically the Pacific Northwest, uh, Washington, Oregon area, um, it just feels different. It feels like it's not this tourist um, attraction. It feels like um, you can be standing on this beautiful rocky cliff and you're just looking at this huge, giant body of water. pouring waves at you. And it's just, I don't know. There's just something about the Pacific Northwest, uh, when it comes to the ocean that just draws me to it. And I've never even been there. Um, so how did I kind of navigate this setting? Well, Google maps is fabulous, but one of my very best friends, um, who was also a writer, her name is Dusty Dawn Rose. Um, she lives there and, I'd known her for years before I started writing this book and she would always send me these pictures of just unmeasurable beauty. Um, and it's not like sun and fun and surfing. It's like dark beauty, you know, like dark waves and Beachy areas that aren't inhabited and that are covered with driftwood and um, big, huge rock formations with waves just crashing against it. Um, and the darkness that she portrayed to me and her thoughts and her stories and her pictures, I was drawn to that. And so when I started writing the story, it felt like that was just where this had to take place because Alexa storm, there's another character in the book, uh, Brody who you'll meet as well. Um, it's told from dual perspectives of the two women. Um, Alexa storm and Marion Brody both have this, uh, mysterious darkness that I just feel matches so well, um, with the, Majesty of the Pacific Northwest. So anyway, um, that's that's what we've got to look forward to. So I am going to read chapters one and two today to you. So you're going to meet Marion Brody and Alexa Storm. Um, it starts with Marion Brody. It starts in her point of view, and the second chapter is in Alexa's point of view. Um, and you'll really know the difference between the two women because Marion's chapters are told in third person and Alexa's chapters are told in first person. Uh, So Where the Shadow Lies, my debut novel, was all third person. um, But I really wanted to play around with first person and really get the feel for it. And Alexa Storm just felt like the perfect person to have that, uh, the perfect character to display that first person narrative. Um, So that's why it's done that way. And it's a lot easier for you guys to kind of follow along whose story we're in with each chapter. Um so, chapters 1 and 2 today, I'm going to read you real quick uh, a couple reviews I've gotten for this book and the blurb and then we will get started. Okay, so let's talk about some reviews. Here's one. This book is so masterfully written. I felt like I was right there beside Alexa. I can't describe the mastery of the words written Within this story, all I can say is that you will be cheating yourself if you don't decide to read it. Oh, that's sweet. I'm just randomly picking some um, reviews on uh, Amazon. Let's see. Rarely will I enjoy, will I read a book which captivates me from the beginning. This book is one of them. Truly a book to keep you guessing very well written. Um, here's one that says, I adored this author's first book. And I'll be honest, I worried this one wouldn't live up to her debut. I am happy to report I was proven wrong. Dark Dead Stars is fast paced read with satisfying twists and turns. Just when I thought I had figured everything out, Sharp gave me whiplash again. Ooh, I like that one. Um, and then there are a couple editorial reviews I also uh, got for this book from, um, authors and reviewers. So, um, I'm going to read you those, uh, editorial reviews and then I'll read you the blurb and then we'll get right to chapter one, uh, review dark dead stars is a twisted sinister ride. Sure to take your breath away. Sharp's characters as always are intricate. Their dynamics, real and disturbing. This book left me with chills for weeks. Definitely a top psychological thriller read for 2020. And that was from Tracy Finlay, the author of The Falling of Stars, who is a fabulous, wonderful, amazing woman. And she writes thrillers like nobody's business. So if you have not read The Falling of Stars by Tracy Finlay, go get that book today. Okay, here's another one. Dark Dead Stars is both mysterious and exciting. The story builds and sharpens in intensity, and the characters are believable and intriguing. Like any suspense thriller, I was left guessing until the very end. Sharp's sophomore novel is one I haven't forgotten even months later. That was from the lovely Erica Russikoff from She Said, He Said book blog. And she is such a sweet, amazing, lovely person. Um, And her husband is hilarious and they write this book blog together. Um, So what they'll do is they'll switch back and forth who gets to pick the book. And then they'll both read the book, even if it's romance, she's got her man to read these crazy, saucy, spicy romance stories. And he talks about how much it makes him blush. It's so funny. Um, and they'll read the story together and then they'll write uh, separate reviews, um, but put them together in one blog and kind of play off of each other's thoughts. So it's really cool because you get the female and the male perspective Um, and their banter and their chemistry is really awesome. So check out, she said, he said book blog as well. Um, I will put the link to all of these in the show notes, just so you know. Okay. Last one, dark, dead stars had intrigued me from the beginning and invested until the very end. The writing and storytelling is as intricate as it is flawless. Nobody weaves a story quite like Cassie Sharp. And that was from the wonderful K Moore. Um, she is the author of the psychological suspense, desert rose, and she actually has a new book coming out soon, um, called all for mother, which I was, uh, very, very excited and blessed to read an early copy of, and it is insane. And it's so, so good. Um, I don't know the date of her release off the top of my hand, but again, Um, off the top of my head, sorry, but all of these things will be in the show notes. Okay. All right, guys. So here's the blurb. All right. It starts with a quote from the book. The living needed answers for the dead answers that skulked in dark places, places that would break them to go. I wasn't the breaking kind end quote. It only takes a second to die or to kill. Alexa Storm, a self-diagnosed psychopath, is no stranger to murder. The death chaser, as critics like to call her, has spent her career following serial killers around the country, blogging about their victims. Drawn to the choppy shores of the Pacific, Alexa discovers a community that har- harbors a dark secret. For the last year, someone has been killing homeless men in a brutal, ruthless fashion and nobody is trying to stop it. But Gray's Harbor doesn't like outsiders, especially ones who ask questions. With a rising body count and her efforts to find answers thwarted at every turn, it's not long before Alexa earns the, ten- the attention of a vicious predator. Will she uncover the truth in time to save herself from becoming the next victim? Or will the pull for revenge turn her into the very type of monster She's hunted her whole life because under the right circumstances, anybody can become a killer. Real quick before we get started, um, for those of you who have never been here before, welcome. Um, I am going to be reading my book, Dark Dead Stars. And oh, there's a fucking ant that just crawled across me. Okay. I'm going to be reading my book Dark Dead Stars to you. Um I'm not a professional narrator. I am just doing my best um to you know use inflection and and make it like a story. Um but I'm not a professional narrator so it's not going to be perfect and I'll probably fuck up more than once and Depending on how lazy I am that day, I probably won't go back and fix it. So you're just going to have to listen to my fuck ups because I'm a flawed human being and that's just who I am. Um, Anyway, and I also read from my paperbacks, so you're going to hear page flips. So welcome to the darkness and uh, let's go. Chapter one. Chapter One, Sneak. There was a pattern to Marion Brody's stealth, a premeditated hush in her tread. She'd been planning this moment all day, her escape, and it hinged upon her ability to dull the sharp bite of tension, choosing instead to internally chant her memorized mantra, slow, careful, calm. She leaned against the wall just outside her bedroom glancing down the long, dim hallway while easing her door closed with a click. Marion swallowed gluey spit, choked. She blew out a long, careful breath, kneading needled numbness from her fingers. Bits of light danced along the hardwood in front of his room at the far end of the hall. Marion watched the flickers, tuned her ears to their faint chatter. His television was loud, her chance of getting out just as she'd expected. Slight, but not impossible. She'd chosen soft shoes to mask the clonk of old, clumsy feet, and only three steps down the hall, Marion winced at the groan and the floorboard when she came to a jerky halt. Had she forgotten them? The articles, the reason for sneaking out of her own home in the middle of the night, had she left them in her room? Slow, Marion leaned into a beam of lamplight from downstairs that sliced through the second floor railing. Careful, spreading the handles of her plastic bag, she peered inside, gnawed her bottom lip, knowing herself well enough to admit that she wouldn't do this a second time if she had to go back. She squinted into the dark depth of her makeshift purse, held her breath stark white, caught a gleam of light, Marion's shoulders unclenched, calm. She couldn't do this thing without those articles, would have no reason to. They'd appeared on her desk this morning. Odd, to be sure, but things have been doing that lately. Showing up out of nowhere, disappearing just as quickly. At some point, you go with it. Sinking back into the solidity of the wall, Marion padded through the shadows, step by careful step until she was only a few feet away from the top of the stairs. His television was louder here, its stray strobes through the crack of his door, brighter, farther reaching. She followed their play with her eyes, watched, engrossed as they swung and leapt and twitched. The dingy hallway faded around her. This home she'd bought 30 years ago relaxed its grip. She was serene. I don't have time for this shit right now. Marion flinched, then popped a palm across her mouth to tame a gasp. He was awake, talking, aware. She wobbled. No, no, it's not as bad as all that. I'm just exhausted, you know, fried. Having to watch her every move just adds more stress. I don't fucking need. Hugging the wall, Marion held her breath, honing every ounce of focus and energy on begging that door not to open. If he came out, If he saw her here, dressed to escape, it's fine. I'll make it work. Who was on the other end of that call? I'm sorry, he said, softer. It's really not as bad as it sounds, just frustrating. Not only has she been a real bitch lately, but half the shit she says makes no sense. Marion clenched her jaw, swallowed, choked on grit. Fucking asshole. Yeah, talk to you tomorrow. Cold, a, cold fear set a beat, gulp, thump, thump, gulp for the television's melody while she waited for the clunk of his footfall. Marion closed her eyes, thump, thump, preened her ears, gulp, thump. The angry artery in her wrist pulsed a panic tempo, slow, careful, calm. Three fictional crashes and as many subsequent recoils later, Marion froze. She looked left, forward, right, what was she doing here? She would moved back closer to his room, but she was supposed to be leaving. The weight of her bag hung heavy on her arm. The articles, the gun, she had to go. Marion used the wall as both a crutch and a catapult. Each time she pushed off of it, her steps grew stronger, assured. This was her house, damn it, and she wouldn't leave and she could leave it anytime she wished. The staircase was old and ornate. It squeaked and groaned and Marion stopped at the top to catch her breath. With her hands digging in on each side of the banister, Marion took one last glance backward, first to his room, then her own. Sighing, she studied the staircase, let her gaze fall down each step, a slinky until it reached the tiled foyer at the bottom. Just ahead was the front door. She couldn't think about what was on the other side of it. Couldn't allow imagination to hinder progress. Marion closed her eyes, exhaled, and stepped down and down again and again. A creak rent out from above. Back taut, she wheezed and ran, almost tripping down the stairs. Her fingers fumbled around the padlock. Click. Marion flung open the door and left her home for the first time in years. It was around here somewhere, the body. This is where he'd said it was. Marion paused her steps, her worn leather loafers ceasing their incessant slosh on the wet asphalt and glanced up to the street sign. Everything about it had changed. Stark white letters shining a silvery glow in the dim light of the street lamp from the other side of the road the unnatural green paint, a mask for what she imagined to be cheap, rusty metal beneath. Even its location had changed, but she was in the right place, 5th and O. Marion turned a slow circle, her nose scrunched, her eyes searching, unbelieving. Nothing about it looked right, not the houses with fresh paint and new roofs, not the patched pavement or the worn, splintered planks on the tracks barely 20 feet away. Wind whipped a chill of familiarity over Marion's skin. When her eyes landed on the thick brush ahead, she stilled and shook out her trembling hands. There was no purpose in fear, not now, not when she come this far. Marion took careful strides toward the tracks, her ears perched for the slightest sign of company on this deserted road. It was an old habit, one she hadn't had use for in many years, one she doubtfully needed now. It was an indecent hour to be out and about, but caution is a tough lesson she'd learned years ago the hard way, and she'd be damned if she was getting caught unaware, not when she just needed one last look at the unseeing blue eyes she knew were around here somewhere. This is the end. Prickled brambles scraped her ankles as she shuffled into the edge of the weeds. You'd think for a town this size, the landscaping would be better kept. Sure, it was fine for her to have scratched ankles, but God forbid, if her own grass wasn't cut for a couple weeks, the city would have a sticky note on her door in a heartbeat. Marion paused, peeked back. The shadows snoozed. Plastic rustled as she dug in her, her hand in the grocery bag, resting in the crook of her elbow cold steel kissed her fingertips, but she hadn't had little need for her pistol right now. There was no one around to use it on. Well, none but the raccoons anyway, and she'd never injured an animal. She dug under the gun and the articles she'd printed from her computer, satisfied her package of tissues had not spilled its contents. Marion curled her fingers around smooth plastic. The flashlight shone a bright beacon into the mess of overgrown brush lining the tracks. Marion searched, shoving aside bits of dried branch and thorny limbs, her heart racing at the thought of seeing it again, him again. But there was nothing to be seen. She rif- rifled around the thicket, her flashlight punching frantic jabs through the darkness. Where is it? No body, no eyes, no luck. She groaned, worried she'd read the blog wrong, worried this walk had been for nothing. Marion flung light onto the tracks. She stepped closer, looking down the line to her left. Gravel and well-used rail carved out a path through the tall brush as far down as she could see. She searched the dirt for a hand, a foot, anything. Sighing, she aimed for the other side. Trees hovered over the rail in this direction, their wild branches clouding her view. She wasn't going to see shit from here. With one last glance over her shoulder, Marion stepped onto the tracks. Turning right, she squinted into the darkness. There was something there, just up ahead, poking out from the tall grasses on the far side, laying lifeless on the gravel next to the rail. Marion took a deep breath. She picked at her flannel nightgown, her wrinkled fingers fumbling about manic like the sound of her breath and the answering panicked puffs of white smoke in the chilled night air. She shook her head, straightened her shoulders and took one step, two, three. Ma'am? Marion paused. She pressed her bag into her body, fingering the gun through the plastic. Ma'am, what are you doing out here? A woman's voice called again from behind. Marion took one last longing glance at what she imagined to be a hand on the ground ahead and turned, lowering her light the slightest bit. She saw little more than the outline of a shapely body before her attention caught on the car behind the woman who'd ruined Marion's first outing in 25 years. Grays Harbor County Sheriff was written in bold across the side of the sedan. Shit. Chapter 2 The Wanderer. I'd been staring at the gruesome photo on my phone for so long it became a mirage of sorts, like an optical illusion or abstract imagery. What had once been protruding, torn flesh was now a clashing symphony of tints and texture. I wasn't looking at a man who'd been shot through the chest once and stabbed multiple times. I was looking at a painting, art a la psychopath. This particular artist had broad, jagged strokes, a shaky hand perhaps, newbie, a harsh cough rent from the other side of the room, and I flicked my gaze across the restaurant to its source. To a man hunched over his cup of coffee, his long scraggly beard brushing the rim. I set my phone down, mesmerized by the stranger who was attempting to warm his entire body with the steam in a small white mug. His clothes were baggy, soiled, torn, and I watched his worn leathery hands shake when he took a simid's timid sip of coffee. Most people try their hardest to ignore the less fortunate. No eye contact, no eye contact. As if by refusing to acknowledge their existence, it will erase the guilt of privilege and wealth. A lovely young waitress interrupted my thoughts, introducing herself and listing off the morning specials. Actually, I want to move my seat if that's okay. I smiled at Sharon, hoping it was enough to soften the blow of inconvenience. I'd worn her low, comfortable heels many times. Customers can be dicks. Sure, honey, sit wherever you like. Coffee? I nodded, gathering my things. Lots of cream, please. Sharon winked and set off. I approached the stranger, leisure lightening my steps, nonchalance humming in my head. May I sit? I asked. He startled, spilling his coffee in a puddle on the table. His eyes jerked to mine, then quickly away on a nod while his hands scurried for napkins to dry the mess. I grabbed for the pile before his fumbling fingers could grasp a handful. I've got it. I kept my voice low. I'm sorry for being an ass. He cracked a half grin. My muscles eased. I plopped my stuff on the bench opposite his and wiped the spill, finishing just in time for Sharon to bring us both a fresh mug. I dumped in five cups of cream before I realized he was staring at me. My eyes met his and I shrugged. My balls aren't big enough to drink it black, I said, gesturing to his unaltered cup. Another grin of sorts, almost enough to make a full smile now. Sitting across from him, it was hard to miss his stature. He was a mountain of a man, slim, sure, but tall, and he smelled of sawdust. I took a long sip of coffee, closing my eyes to savor both smell and heat. The tight ball of stress that lived in the space between my shoulder blades relaxed, and I let out a contented sigh, opening my eyes again. I plucked a menu from its plastic housing next to the wall. What's good here? I never, uh, he trailed off and glanced out the window. I followed his gaze, stunned. The morning's fog had just cleared over the lake. The gray water was serene, still fast asleep. The tall mountains surrounded us, Their reflection a perfect echo in the water below. I felt an intrinsic urge to walk into the freezing lake until my body was covered and I became one with the universe. Pretty, ain't it? A weak nod was the only answer I had for him. I peeled my eyes away from the view, giving him a soft smile as I nodded to the menu. I'm gonna get the deluxe breakfast, sound good? He shrugged. I ordered two. He shifted in his seat, rubbing his matted beard, uncomfortable again. I'm Alexa, I told him, and I hate dining alone. Thank you for keeping me company. He nodded. Joe. Is it always like this? I pointed to the window. You never been here? I shook my head. First time in Washington. Joe grunted. Seattle or Mount Rainier? I tilted my head, intrigue, tugging at my lips. He pointed to me. Women like you gotta be here for one or the other my guess. Both options will get you some good pictures to post on the internet. Only question is, you a nature girl or a city girl? Which one do you think? Joe squinted his eyes and took a moment to study me. Hard to say. You gazed out there at Rimrock Lake like it's the most beautiful thing you ever seen. Suggest you at least appreciate God's beauty. He took a sip of coffee. But I imagine it'd be a bit of a chore to climb a mountain in your Johnny Cash costume and leather jacket. Not to mention all that pretty blonde hair of yours would get in the way. He paused, concentrating like this was important. Joe was a people watcher, I decided, and from the look of his worn backpack, he was also a traveler. Kindred spirits, the two of us. I'm gonna have to go with Seattle. You look like you got an artist spirit. I chuckled. I'm here for work. Where are you headed? Grace Harbor, Hokeyum. Joe straightened in his seat, eyeing the menus while Sharon situated four plates between us. When he'd taken the last bite of his triple stack, I spoke. You don't like Coquia? He shook his head, his eyes solemn, jaw clenched. Why not? Joe cleared his throat. throat. Just came from there. Aberdeen mostly, but they're close neighbors. Something's not right, he said, scanning the diner, bending in closer. Hitched a ride out of town on a logging rig. First chance I got. It's not safe. Not for my kind. Not now. A prickle danced along my spine as I leaned into the table. What do you mean? I knew things already about the deaths he was no doubt referring to, about the grisly artwork I'd just been studying. But this man had a story, and I found I very much wanted to hear it. Joe's eyes met mine. His were the clearest I'd seen since I sat across from him. They'd been cloudy, muddled, sketchy this whole time, but now... Now they were stone cold sober and terrified. He shook his head before he said, Not something for a lady's ears, Alexa. Be careful and you'll be just fine. Joe, I muttered, I'm. I paused, considering him. I didn't want Joe to think that I'd only shared breakfast with him for information, but this was important. And I had the feeling he wasn't one to take offense easily. Whatever it is you're talking about, it's. The reason I'm headed there. My work. If you're willing to share what you know, what you've experienced, it'd actually be helpful. Joe's brows dipped. You a cop? No. Fed? No. What's your job then? I chewed the inside of my cheek. Unfortunately, a lot of people didn't take my line of work seriously. My father was one of them. My father, who'd been a perpetual drifter all his life. My father, who'd traveled from city to city, usually living on the streets, chasing business venture after failed business venture, compared my work to a con. Said all I did was garner juicy information a lot of people wanted to know and made them pay for it bit by bit through advertisement and promotions. Sometimes I believed him. He was, after all, the best con man I'd known. I'm a writer. Reporter? Reporter? Journalist? Not exactly, I said. I'd never been one to divulge this much to a stranger, but Joe's cologne was honesty, and I trusted him not to bleed my secrets from me. I write a blog about crime, murders mostly, serials. Why? That was always the question. I shrugged. They won't let me be a cop and I detest reporters. Joe picked at a chip in the table. You heart blind or something? No. Why? Those, he said, pointing to my face. You've been in here almost an hour now and you still haven't taken off your sunglasses. I smiled. I have a sensitivity. The sunglasses were specially made and absolutely necessary for my sanity. They grayed the world, blocked the loudness of color, and were a godsend for my condition. Joe chewed it over. That's why they won't let you be a cop. I nodded, something like that. I tried when I was younger to enter the police academy, but when colors yelp sounds, it makes you a liability in the field. 10 years later and I've learned to manage my synesthesia, but I imagine needing to wear sunglasses all day wouldn't be received well in the academy either. Joe sat in silence and I didn't move a muscle while I waited for him to find words. You can't force someone to tell their tales. You can only listen and empathize and care. I didn't see anything for myself, but a guy I know did. Don't know if he's still in town, but you can try. Named Sam, Sam Bradley. He saw a killing. I sat up in my seat, an eyewitness. On the streets, you're bound to see a thing or two, but what Sam saw was sick. Scared the shit out of him. I nodded. I'd seen those photos. Sick was a good adjective. Been more than one murder around there lately. Cops don't seem to know much, or hell, maybe they just don't care since it's my kind. I hated that he was probably right. Vagrants, or whatever their term is now, coming up dead, is just less trash to clean on their streets. But it's not just that. The whole area feels off, almost spooky if I'm being honest, ma'am. I've been in Grace Harbor a few times, and this is the first time I've ever felt it there. Death in the air. I swallowed I knew what he meant about death leaving an impression on a town the last place I'd blogged about it still haunted me and it'd only been a week gone now my business came with a few musts personality wise having to be able to detach from my horror at a crime scene was the hardest among them I was human as far as I knew and some things cannot be unseen They linger in your memory, hiding in the shadows behind your string of consciousness. Then they come back to torment you once the smallest hint of vulnerability presents itself. Thank you for sharing that with me, Joe. I'll keep it all in mind when I get there, I said, watching his eyes, looking for any hint he wished to speak more. His cool greens were serene. Where are you headed now? Joe grinned. Seattle, I think, he said. I hadn't made up my mind till now. He winked. I have a soul of an artist, too. I tried to smile, but it wobbled. Can I give you a ride somewhere? Nah, got me a few friends in the logging business. One of them's bound to stop here soon and give me a lift. He cleared his throat. Thank you, Alexa. Joe excused himself to the restroom. I paid Sharon and nearly got caught with my fingers in his bag when he returned. I shook his hand and wished him well. You be careful down there, he said. I nodded, hoping he'd get by for at least a few weeks on the cash I'd stashed in his pack, along with a card that I'd scrawled my blog address on. If he wanted to keep up with the investigation, he could hit up a library when he got to Seattle. I took one last glance at the beauty outside the window, slung my backpack over my shoulder, and left. The sun had finally broken through the clouds, and as I walked to my Harley, it warmed my face despite the chill in the mountain air. It was a good day to ride, and I had the feeling my drive through the Cascade Mountains was going to be a striking piece of art for road-weary eyes. It had been a straight shot down the Olympic Highway into Aberdeen after I had left the magnificent wilderness. I was anxious to watch the waves of the Pacific, to let the dance of the ocean wash away the sticky film of death and decay that perpetually clung to my skin. Perhaps it'd do a better job than the Atlantic had a week ago. The horrors I'd uncovered in Charleston, my last blog subject, still nauseated me, though I'd traveled the length of a country to get away from them. Different coast, same sickness. The air was cool and it bit my neck, the only exposed body part, as I wove through steady traffic on my bike. She was a smooth rider, my Harley, and as we sped down the highway together, my belly lifted with a sensation of flying. The trees lining the road captivated me. They looked like evergreens on the top but had long, slim trunks that stretched as high as they could before the foliage took over. It was as though the forest stood on its tiptoes, each tree straining to see the secrets of the town ahead. I found myself mimicking them atop my bike in both posture and motive. I eased off the accelerator when the city came into view. A wide river lined the highway to the left, its barges and bridges looming somberly in the distance. My eyes caught on the sign to my right. It read, Welcome to Aberdeen. Come as you are. The trees gave way to restaurants and businesses as I entered the city. People milled around storefronts and strode leisurely down sidewalks. A man walking his dog watched me as I drove by, something in his eyes revealing his knowledge that I did not belong here. I studied them, the residents of this town. The children chased, screamed, laughed, Their parents pruning, mowing, admonishing the homeless, their huddles and shuffles. They went about their day as though all was right in the world, as though today was bound to be the same as all the days before it. Surely they knew. Surely they realized that any one of them could be the next victim, that there was a serial killer in their midst and some random person they passed on the street could be the one to end their life but I found no fear on any of their faces as I navigated the city. It was the third right I'd taken in the last five minutes, but I recognized nothing. Barely standing churches, rundown homes, unkempt landscaping. They were cloned on each street, and though Hoquiam and Aberdeen were supposed to be large grids, I couldn't find my bearings. My sense of direction was off, skewed, and at this rate, I wasn't sure if I'd ever find the Hopeham Police Department. Slowing at a stop sign, I stretched numb fingers and my leather gloves groaned. I'd skipped mounting my cell to the bike for fear of rain, a regret. I glanced left and right at the stop, eeny meeny miny mowing the estimation of finding a gas station or restaurant close. I went left, the narrow road began at an incline and I revved my engine to crest the top. My front tire jumped, thudded the street, two horrifying seconds later into a plunge downhill. My chest leapt. I braked, slowing my bike to a crawl as I rounded a sharp curve. This road was barely wide enough for two cars and it was hazardous. A guardrail ran along the left side, but it was dented and worn. A feeble attempt to prevent a nice tumble down the side of the hill. I strangled the handles of my bike. I needed to get off this shaded, deserted road. Needed to... My hands went slack when I saw it. At first, it looked like nothing more than a shirt that had flown out a window and landed on the side of the road. But then, oh, shit, that skin and hair. I screeched to a stop, straddled my bike into the grass. I could smell it, death. It hung in the air permeated my lungs, laid roots in my sinuses. I held my breath and turned in a circle. Back about a hundred feet was a house, a head, nothing but trees and another curve, and a body. If a car came flying down this hill, it'd probably hit me before it had time to stop, and then there'd be two decaying corpses to gag on. My footfall was slow, measured, and right at the edge of the road, Dark patches of what must have been blood pooled in the grass every few feet. My heart jumped when I heard it, a noise from the woods, a rustling. I paused and swallowed, then searched the trees, but saw nothing. The body was only a few feet away now. I eyed the dirty white t-shirt, the jeans, the dark mess of hair, the beard, the blood. Instinctual panic gripped my throat. flee, but I held my pace calculating each step, careful not to disturb the crime scene. Sightless eyes stared up at me, no need to feel for a pulse. One minute, surveying the mess of torn flesh swarming with eager flies, and I knew this was the killer's latest victim. The gunshot wound to the temple and slashes across his face and torso proved it. From everything I have read and seen before making this trip, All the other victims had been killed the same way. My limbs were numb, throat dry. I watched his stillness, let the cloak of his death wrap around me. His wasn't the first body I'd discovered over the years, but no amount of practice prepares you to stomach the ruins of murder's madness. I'd just opened my phone to call it in when I heard it again, the rustle, but louder this time. I flinched, flicked my attention to the trees. They were sparser here, making it easier to find. A pale nose, a face. Our eyes locked, suspended in time, each measuring the strength of the other. Brows dipped as they narrowed theirs at me. My breathing stopped. Fear scratched at my skin. My phone fell through my fingers, shattered. I broke contact to pick it up a handful of seconds, but when I glanced back to the trees, the face was gone and the woods were mute. Okay, so there it is. Chapters one and two. So we met Marion Brody in chapter one, and, um, It was kind of hard to tell what the hell was going on with her, right? Um, Like her house was super creepy and there was some dude there watching TV and she was afraid of him seeing her escape. And then she went to some train tracks to look for a body and then the cops showed up. So that was crazy. And then we met Alexa Storm, who is, oh, just so wonderful and crazy, (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, she came into Grace Harbor and stumbled on a body. Surprise, surprise, right? Um, anyway, so I guess I hope you guys enjoyed the first two chapters of Dark Dead Stars. Uh, next week I will be releasing the second two chapters and it's going to go on and on like that. Um, when I was narrating Where the Shadow Lies for season one, I would release multiple episodes a week, um, but I've got some stuff going on. My kids are getting back to school and it's all homeschool right now. So I'm playing teacher and plus, you know, doing all the things around the house, plus, you know, running my business, like all these wonderfully amazing women do and do so much better than I do because I really freaking suck at this shit. Um, like my mind is just crazy, which is why it's funny. I went and back and listened to the last episode of season one, where the shadow lies. And I'm pretty sure I said in that episode that season two would start in August, but I totally meant September. So if you guys had expected me in August, you were probably like, this bitch is procrastinating again. And it wasn't that I meant to say September. Um, August, I had really had to get all the stuff together for school. So I hadn't even planned to do August, but I said August. So I'm like, wow. Um, that's just me crazy, crazy Cassie. So anyway, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing the teacher thing. I'm, I'm doing the home thing. I'm podcasting, I'm writing, I'm running my business and not doing all of them very well. I will definitely say that, but, Um doing decently on some and probably really shitty on the others. But anyway, there's a lot going on. So it will just be one episode per week. Um, which I know kind of sucks if because if you're into a book, you want to keep going, and I'm stopping you guys, and I'm sorry. Um, but right now it's just it's a lot to balance. So there may be some weeks when I'm able to throw a couple extra chapters in there. Uh, maybe just, um, a, a chapter or two on an episode without any intro or outro me talking to you and, and planning all this, you know, there may just be surprise chapters thrown in throughout the weeks, but mostly it's going to be one episode per week. Um, so if you are just too, um, impatient, which I would be too, um, I will put the link for dark dead stars, the paperback and ebook in the show notes, and you can buy it and read it if you'd rather not wait for me to read it to you. Um, so that'll be in the show notes. The women that I talked about that did editorial reviews for Dark Dead Stars, their links are gonna be in the show notes, um, links to sign up for my newsletter and uh, and such that'll all be in there. Um, so check that out. And, um, if you haven't, if you are new here and you haven't gone through season one yet, um, I recommend you do that because I read a whole book during season one and it's a long book and it was my debut novel and I'm super proud of it. And I had a blast, a blast narrating it. So anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in to the first episode of season two of Villains and Monsters. I hope you enjoyed the introduction to dark dead stars and next week, tune in to learn what happens after Alexa finds the body and learn what happens with whoever was watching her through the trees and um, learn more about Marion. That's all I can say about Marion. She is a character and you, you will learn to, be used to wondering, um, man, what is this? What is this lady about? Is she a good person? Is she a bad person? We don't know. Um, but you will by the end of the book. So tune in. Uh, I'll see you guys next week. Have a fucking fabulous weekend, and um, for all you moms out there who are being a teacher and a mother and a and a you know homemaker and and a businesswoman and and you are, you know, just killing it. And I just want you to know that you're awesome and I see you and I think you're amazing and you've totally fucking got this. Okay. All right, y'all. Bye.